0: It's one thing to show up, and it's another thing to be here. And uh, you are here, and I appreciate that. I want to echo the pastor for all of you that worked today and dealt with school and all of those other things and still made it a priority. Thank you for coming. And of course, all the pastors that are here that had a night where they could have done something else, and this is not their church, but they chose to come. Uh, that's an honor, and we appreciate that, and I hope that the Lord helps all of us tonight. If you have your Bible, go with me to the book of Genesis, and I want you to find again Genesis chapter 49. Uh, we, we, we preached out of Animal Planet last night. <laughs> and I guess we'll just go back to that same channel and get some more popcorn and see what else is happening out on the plains, you know. Genesis 49, and I want us to look tonight at a very interesting text. It is in this chapter that Jacob is laying on his deathbed. He has called his sons before him, and he is speaking into their lives. He is speaking about their lives. And He is speaking over their lives. And I want to remind you that this is not just the affectionate words of a father who is leaving one world and going to another, but this is the inspired Word of God. This was not just Jacob's feelings. This was Holy Ghost-inspired insight into their lives. These things are put here by God's divine order. And so when we see the words that he says, we understand that this is God speaking about these young men. There are 12 of them in this chapter. I've got sermons on 10 of them. So if I'd come back for three nights, we just keep going. We may get that two-week revival point sometime. <laughs> I'm going to be on my best behavior. And try to extend the meeting. If you're in Genesis 49, I want you to find verse 27. He comes now to his last son, and he says this, Benjamin shall raven as a wolf. In the morning he shall devour the prey, and at night he shall divide the spoil. Look at that first phrase, Benjamin shall raven as a wolf. Father, open up the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing for your people tonight. I'm very thankful that they are here. and I'm very honored that Brother Potter has allowed me to come and share your word with these people. I pray, Lord, that you would do something that's bigger than all of us. And I pray that the word of God would take root down in our soul. We know that the seed is good for it's the incorruptible word. But Lord, I pray you'd prepare the soil. And God, I pray that this seed would find good soil. And God, I, I want to be careful as a sower. I want to I do well with the seed that you've given us. Now, let it grow. And God, may we see this message impact us decades from now. And tomorrow, I'll praise you for it in Jesus' name and everybody that loves him, said, Amen. Jacob comes to his last son. This is the youngest son in the family. Benjamin was the baby out of all of these boys. And as the baby, his life plays out in that manner. Every time we find Benjamin in reference to anyone else, he is always in a place of affection. He is always in a place of appreciation. There is something about Benjamin that he was not only loved by his father, but it seems like everyone that comes around him, there is a natural tendency for them to love to look out for and to care about Benjamin. You know, the Bible tells us in Genesis 42 and verse 4 that when Joseph was ruling in Egypt, that the sons of Jacob said, we got to go to Egypt and get corn because of this famine. And it's a dangerous journey. And we may not make it back, but it's our only hope. And Jacob Father, we're asking your permission for the boys to go to Egypt and get corn. And does anybody remember what Jacob said? He said, that's a good idea. And I know it's dangerous. But y'all go. But Benjamin is staying here. Y'all may die, so Benjamin is staying here. That's a little offensive if you're not Benjamin. Benjamin but he said it plain as day. It's interesting that not only did Jacob love him, but even Joseph had such a soft place in his heart for Benjamin that when they finally got Benjamin to Egypt and they didn't know who Joseph was, He's sitting on that throne and Benjamin comes in the door and the Bible says that when Joseph saw him and he interacted with him that Joseph, this man who has been hardened by life, he has been through rigorous trials that have tested him in every level and manner, that Joseph was so moved by the sight of Benjamin that he gets up off of his throne, he goes to his chamber, he lays on his bed, and he weeps tears of joy. He is so moved by the sight of his baby brother. He washes his face, gains his composure, and comes back out and interacts with them. Jacob loved Benjamin, and Joseph Loved Benjamin. I'll tell you a piece of insight into who Benjamin was. Benjamin's brothers that didn't like anybody, they liked Benjamin. When Joseph was trying to get him down there, he said, Do you have any more brothers? And they said, Well, we have one. And here's what they said. But he can't come. Because if he was to come and something was to happen to him... Our father would die without him. Now, I I need some folks that went to Sunday school to help me right here. When this bunch is concerned about you, you are special. (laughs) Because this is a crowd that'll throw you in the pit to leave you and say, why kill him when we can sell him? Get him out of there. Come on, let's... But they loved him. And there's something about Benjamin that everyone around him somehow is softened and attached to him in some way. I think in Jacob's life when Joseph was in his mind murdered, we know he was sold into slavery and God was working his plan. But in Jacob's heart, Joseph was dead. And I think in that process of grieving the loss of Joseph, I think that Benjamin became the apple of his eye. He became that son of his old age that that carried his heart. And there was a little extra protection around Benjamin because of the loss of Joseph. But yet, every time you find Benjamin, he's loved. He's looked out for. He's the baby. He's the youngest. Are there any... How many of you are the youngest of your siblings? Let me see your hand raised. Look at a bunch of spoiled brats. Look at every one. You could tell by the way they raised their hand. They was just waiting. Yep, here, present... Mm-hmm. I, I'll be honest, I'm, I'm a little twisted, a little bitter about that. I was the baby in my family for nine years. I was the youngest. I've got three brothers and an older sister who thinks she's my mother. And I've got three brothers older than me. And I was the baby. For nine years, I ruled upon the throne. What I decreed, no man could cast asunder for nine years. And in a moment of insanity, my mama and daddy had a little girl after I had been appointed ruler for nine years. And I'm going to be honest with you, I still don't like her. I just don't. I, I, don't, I don't like her. I, I've heard she's a really nice person, but I don't care. I'm not, I don't even want to find out. It's irrelevant to me. (laughs) I said that somewhere, and somebody hollered out, "I'm gonna tell her." She already knows. We've had this we've been having this conversation for 35 years. I mean, that ain't breaking news. (laughs) The baby, the baby, and he was the baby. He was the baby every way you could be the baby. Benjamin was the baby, and Jacob is laying on his deathbed, and this is bizarre. That the baby boy who has held his heart, that Jacob would look at his baby boy and say to his baby boy, You are a wolf. And that's the end of the conversation. There is no follow up, there is no, you know, hit him with the truth and then sweeten it up on the way out of the conversation. That's it. He said, You're a wolf. And not only does he call him a wolf, but he gives him all of the bad qualities of a wolf. You know, he could have said, like a wolf, you'll protect your young. That that would be good. Or like a wolf with, you will have great strength. That that could be a positive. But every, that speaker is going to kill me. It's just, you think I'm expensive, healthy. You wait till I get a lawyer, praise God. We're just going, I don't even know if those are plugged up. I ain't heard nothing out of them. Let's just. Let's deal with that. Aesthetics, that's what that is. He doesn't say anything positive about him in relation to a wolf. Look at what he says. He says uh, in our text, notice this, you will raven as a wolf. In the morning, you shall devour the prey. Notice this. And at night, He shall divide the spoil. None of those are good qualities. Raven, devour, divide, those are not positives. It's an ugly picture that he has just painted of his son that he no doubt loves. But he says it, and I tried to tell you when we started, not only did he say it, but God said it when God said it through him. He said, you're a wolf and not a good wolf. All the bad stuff about a wolf, that's the kind of wolf you are. Isn't that strange? That he would say that to his youngest and his beloved, but yet he does. He calls him a wolf. I want to tell you why that's interesting to me. And if you have studied the Bible, you don't have to study far to understand that every time you find a wolf, or plural, wolves in the Bible. I'm going to need an amen if you know this is right. It's never used in a good way. It's never a positive. There's never a time when a wolf or wolves in the Bible is a good thing. All throughout the Word of God, wolves are used to describe, first of all, the enemies of God. The wicked leaders of Israel were called wolves in Ezekiel and Zephaniah. The Chaldeans in the book of Habakkuk were called wolves. In the New Testament, Jesus called false prophets wolves. They are labeled as the enemies of the church in Matthew and Luke and Acts. Every time you see a wolf in the scripture, it is a bad thing. If you understand that, everybody holler amen. It's never good. It's just not good. It's never good. And yet, Jacob has called his son a wolf. Now what does a wolf do? Well, he described it well, a wolf ravens. That little word means to rip into pieces. A wolf devours. That's the Bible word. What does that mean? To tear up or to consume as desired. A wolf divides in our text. That means to separate and to tear apart. Now, I know that there's a lot of uh, hunters that go church here. And uh, do y'all have coyote problems up here? Is it a problem up here? It's a problem where I live. It's bad. And uh, I have, there may be some people here, we'll use this word, I have harvested many coyotes in my life. (laughs) You know, like we planted them and grew them and went and got them with a tractor, you know. (laughs) Harvested many coyotes. And I I have seen some really big coyotes. I've seen some large ones, some old ones, some big ones. But I was in Albania... On the Kosovo border, we were coming through a large grassy plains area where a lot of nomadic shepherds will bring their flocks and just feed them for weeks at a time. And we were coming over this hill, and on the side of the road was a wolf laying dead on the side of the road. I don't know if it was shot or if it got hit. But being the redneck I am, I made them stop the missions trip and go back to the roadkill. Aren't y'all proud of me for that? Come on. I wanted to see this wolf. I got out of that van. And what I'm about to tell you, I have a picture of this. The size of that wolf was mind-blowing. After having seen and held large coyotes, it was mind-blowing to see the size of this wolf. His head was so big, the only way I could describe it, it was the size of a large North Georgia black bear. And I know y'all have bear in this area. It was His head was the size of a large black bear. His paws were just massive, would make two of my hands. That wolf, the size of it was mind-blowing. And when I read this text, I thought about, the power of that wolf to basically do whatever it wants to do. If it gets a hold of a lamb, it is now no longer a lamb. It is lamb chops. That's what you have. If this wolf decides that it's hungry, it's going to eat. And a wolf will devour what it wants. Listen now. It will eat the parts that it wants. It will leave a crime scene of devastation and gore behind and it'll trot down the trail like nothing happened until it sees something else that it wants, then it will do the same, leaving behind the devastation and death that looks like something out of a horror movie, and it will go down the trail until it again finds something that catches its eye, and a wolf goes from place to place doing what Jacob said, ravening, devouring, and dividing. And Jacob calls his son a wolf. That's that's strange to me. His dying words to his beloved baby boy, you're a wolf. Now go on. That's it. Next. Who's next? What are we doing now? There is no follow-up. You are a wolf. And he leaves it there. I want to show you another piece of Scripture tonight. Go with me to the book of Deuteronomy. And I want to show you Deuteronomy chapter 33. We find here, now not Jacob on his deathbed, but now Moses is on his deathbed. And in a strange series of similarities, on Moses' deathbed, he calls in the twelve tribes of Israel that are the descendants of the twelve sons of Jacob. And just as Jacob blessed them individually and addressed them individually, so now Moses will address each of them individually from his deathbed. That's, that's, that's unique within itself, that God has allowed this to be replicated In Deuteronomy 33. If you're there in your Bible, holler, Amen. Look at verse number 12. Now Moses comes to Benjamin. And of Benjamin, he said, the beloved of the Lord shall dwell in safety by him. And the Lord shall cover him all the day long. Watch this phrase. And he, that's Benjamin, and he shall dwell between his shoulders. I'm going to need some help right here. That's a little bit nicer than the send-off Jacob gave him. That's actually what you would think Jacob would have said. And after all Moses put up without him, you'd think his would have been the you're a wolf speech. But Jacob said, Benjamin, you're a wolf. End of the story. Moses says to him, You're the beloved of the Lord. Moses said, You're going to dwell in safety by the Lord. Moses said, I love this phrase, The Lord shall cover you all the day long. And Then Moses uses a term that when he said these words, everyone that heard it knew the symbolism of this speech. He said, And he, Benjamin, shall dwell between his shoulders. Ladies and gentlemen, that, and everyone in Israel knew this, that is a shepherd's turn. That is the language of a shepherd. A shepherd would take a lamb when it was young, when it was weak, when it was sick, when it was injured, when it had strayed, when it was corrected, a shepherd would take that lamb. I need somebody to help me preach now. He would place it between his shoulders and the shepherd would often carry those little lambs. Jesus used that same language in the New Testament. When he talked about the prodigal son and the lost coin, when he came down to the sheep. It was Jesus that said, and when that shepherd hath found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. It's the same phrase. It's the same terminology. Jacob refers to Benjamin as a wolf. And Moses refers to Benjamin as a sheep. I want you to think about that. The sheep, he said, "You're beloved." A shepherd loves his sheep so much that he's willing to lay his life down for them. It's amazing. Even today, that heart still beats within true shepherds around the world. I. Have seen them and many of you probably have as well in other parts of the world where they live for those sheep. they I've seen them build those makeshift folds out in the wild where those wolves as big as black bears roam and there'll be only one opening and that shepherd will lay in the door of that opening. I've seen this with my own eyes and the sheep are in that little fold and even now shepherds love their sheep to the point that they'll stand between them them and death. He said, you're a sheep and he's your shepherd. I like that phrase you'll dwell in safety by him. Where does a lamb hang out? It hangs out by the feet of the shepherd. Somebody help me right here. A lamb will never go hungry hanging out by the feet of the shepherd. The shepherd will take you to good green pastures if you stay near his feet. A lamb will never suffer long with sickness near the feet of the shepherd. He'll give you medicine. He'll provide help and healing. A lamb will never be destroyed by an enemy or a wolf or any kind of predator if it's at the feet of the shepherd. It is a place of safety dwelling by his feet. I love that. said, the Lord shall cover him. All you mamas and daddies know what that word cover means. It means I got you. That's not a sneeze, that's a sentence. I got you. I got you. My son's 20, and he's got a good job, and he's getting on his feet, and he's just getting out on his own. And the other day I called him. I wanted to go do something. I wanted him to go with me, and he said, I'd love to, but I, 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 I don't have any money. And I just kind of covered up the phone and laughed real hard for about a minute <laughs> and thought, welcome to my world. That's where you put me the last 20 years. And after I got through laughing, I put the phone back in there and I said, Hey, come on, I'll cover you. What does that mean? That means if you need a place to stay, I'll get you a room. That means if you get hungry while we're gone, I'll buy your meal. Hallelujah. If you get sick or you get hurt, I'll make sure that you get help. I'm going to cover you. You don't need anything, son. I will cover you. I will handle whatever you need. That's what a shepherd does for his sheep. You ain't never seen no sheep looking for a Walgreens. (laughs) There's no sheep Googling restaurants nearby. The shepherd handles all that. He will cover them. This is the language of a shepherd concerning a sheep. How many of you would agree with me that there is no doubt that in Deuteronomy 33, that Moses is referencing Benjamin and he is clearly comparing him to a lamb. If you see that, holler, amen. Jacob said, Benjamin, you're a wolf. And Moses said, Benjamin, you're a lamb. And that's confusing. I can tell it is just by looking at some of y'all tonight. You are a perplexed people in the house of God. But he is. He said, You're a wolf, and then Moses said, You're a lamb. Now that's confusing. It is, isn't that confusing? How can the same man be a wolf and a lamb? How can Jacob on his deathbed say, you're a, you're a ravening wolf? And how can Moses say, You're a beloved lamb, talking about the same person, the same people, the same prophecy? How is that possible? When I read this text and I cross-referenced it with Deuteronomy, I was so perplexed and I I remember sitting in my study saying, Lord, what, what does this mean? How can one man be a wolf who is an enemy of God and be a lamb who is the chosen beloved of God? How can one man be a wolf and a lamb? How can one person be so evil and then be so sweet? How can one person be so ravenous and devouring and then be so sweet and submissive and humble and grateful at the feet of the shepherd and I asked that question for a long time and you may be asking that question tonight and I'll tell you how I answered this maybe it's the way you will answer this maybe the answer to this question is we should dismiss we should all go home and when you get home walk in your bathroom and close the door behind you and look in the mirror in front of you and let's ask that question again How can the same person be a wolf and a lamb? How can the same person be a devouring, ravenous wolf who does what he wants when he wants, how he wants, wherever he wants? And how can that same person be a lamb that is loved by the shepherd? How can one person be both? And I think if we ask that question of ourself, it starts to make a little more sense. And this is the part of the sermon. (laughs) By the way, this is my least popular message out of this whole chapter. I don't know why it's so uplifting and encouraging. But this is the part of the sermon where we realize that you can be a child of God and still behave like an enemy of God. This is the part of the message where we realize that there are people that should be acting like lambs, but there will be times when their teeth come out and they devour instead of feed at the feet of the shepherd. And if you don't know this, I'm going to go ahead and and forewarn you, if you hang out around the house of God, and if you hang out around the things of God, you will not be long until you bump into people that should be lambs, but I I mean, they really, it's very wolf-like tendencies. (laughs) If you serve God... And I bet that's who's here tonight. I bet these are the people that work in the parking lot. I bet these are the people that come and practice these songs. I bet these are the people that work in the nursery, work in the children's ministry. I bet these are the people who greet and welcome and clean and labor and give. And if you do that, you will be trying to love on sheep and you will be loving sheep. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, those little lambs turn into big bad wolves. And it's confusing. It's confusing. You know, you you watch nursery or you you, you teach those little kids. And that little brat was screaming and crying when they dropped it off. (laughs) I love being the evangelist and not the pastor. Because I can say that stuff and then just ride out. But that, that, that baby was throwing a fit when they dropped it off. And some new mama gonna come back there and look at you with her baby screaming like, what did you do to my precious little angel? And here you ain't in service so they can be in service but they looking at you like you the problem and what you wanna say is, oh, I didn't do anything to your child but I have a long list of what I wanted to do to your child. you're going to stand out there in the rain and you're going to try to help people park so you can get everybody on this property. <laughs> and they're going to... <laughs> the lambs are a little rowdy this morning, preacher. <laughs> I, have, I have watched people, and I could give you names, I could give you events. I have watched people get in the fold And I have no doubt that they were lambs. Saved, born again, filled with the Holy Ghost. New name written down in glory. And I've watched them come in and hallelujah, raise a hand on every song. Watch tears just flow down their face. They love the preacher. They love his wife. They love his son. They love what God's doing. Every sermon was the best one they'd ever heard. This is the best church in the whole world. And they love it and they mean it and they really do and they're overwhelmed with it. And then one day they come in, (laughs) and they just look different. And they're not doing this, they're doing this. And that same preacher's family that they love, now they're picking apart. And the same church that was the best one in the world, now all it does is ask for money. (laughs) Somebody said, well, they ain't saved. No, you don't know that. Here's what I know. I know that me, Brother Jonathan, I have the ability to be both of those things. I have the ability to be a lamb and a wolf. and You do too. You do too. You do too. Every one of us in this building tonight that is saved, you have the ability within you to be a raving wolf or a beloved lamb. And the Apostle Paul knew that because when he came to Galatians, I ain't going to read it, but when he came to Galatians chapter 5, he, 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 you know, it sounds like he's talking to two whole different groups of people all at the same time. One verse he said, Love one another. Be kind one to another. Oh, be affectionate to one another. And in the very next verse he said, But stop biting and devouring one another lest ye be consumed one of another. He's telling them, about how we love each other in one breath, and the next breath he says, but y'all got to quit attacking one another. See, that's the reality. Within the life of a saved, born-again child of God, there is still an old nature. And I know y'all don't like this. I don't like it either, but it's the truth. There is within us that old nature that still ravens, devours, divides, and destroys. And this is the part of the sermon now where everybody starts thinking about all the wolves who turned on them and tore them up and bit them and chased them and everybody thinks about all of the church hurt and thinks about all of the conflict and all of the people that did us wrong. Listen to me, if you've been in church any time at all, you've got stories, I've got stories, we've all got stories, but I'm going to be real honest with you, I'm not that concerned with all the wolves that have turned on me. You want to know what keeps me up at night? It's the times when I was the wolf. It was the times when I went after what I wanted and didn't give a rip who was left in the wake of my selfish pursuits. It was the times that I snapped and said what I wanted to say and it made me feel better temporarily, but it devoured and it divided and it destroyed. See, I could tell you stories till sun come up about the wolves that I've had to deal with, but that doesn't bother me. It really doesn't. It doesn't. It, does, it just doesn't anymore. I'll tell you what bothers me is the reality that I have been, and if I'm not guarded and careful, could be easily again more of a wolf than I am a lamb. Y'all understand what the preacher trying to say tonight? It's a wonderful church. We've got a great church. You know how good churches go bad? Lambs start acting like wolves instead of sheep hanging out the foot of the shepherd. Lambs stop loving one another and we start wanting what we want instead of just wanting to be where He is. good churches all over America that have just been left like a gut pile on the side of the road of life and born again saved wolves trot down the trail with the blood of believers dripping from their jaws and I guess I've come to warn you tonight every one of you tonight I guess I've come to warn you and I've come to warn me that we got to walk in the spirit Because if we don't walk in the Spirit, that wolf will come out in us. That wolf will show himself. I was in Montana. Come on, Brother Chicken Tenders, where are you at? (laughs) (laughs) I was in Montana last August. I was sitting up on a homestead in the Kootenai National Forest. And the man that's making his living there, we got talking about wolves and I asked him, I said, I said, what, what can you do with them? You know, what do you do? do? Do they trap them? Do they relocate them? What do you do with them? And, and, and he was drinking his coffee, and I said, "I said, what, what, do you, what can you do with a wolf? He was drinking his coffee. He took a sip, put it down, and said, kill them. <laughs> That's the solution. He said, if you move them, they'll come back. He said, if you trap them, They're just going to be somebody else's problem," he said. "You have to kill them. Now, that's not a biological. You know, that's not. That's just what. That's just what a a cowboy in Montana said. Okay. But spiritually, you know what we have to do with this wolf? We have to kill it. You have to kill it. Can't tame it. Can't train it. Can't make a house pet out of it. You have to kill this old wolf nature in us. Lambs are led. Lambs are led by the Spirit. And wolves roam and devour. This is, this is what's on my heart for tonight. It's for every one of us, especially those in any form of leadership or servant, volunteership where you are the face of this church and you are involved in the fabric of this ministry. I'll tell you something. A wolf can show up in the choir and kill the Spirit of God. Y'all still sing the same song, but the Holy Ghost won't be in it if the wolves are devouring in the music ministry. Here's what I want. I want everybody who's got skin in the game of this church to find a place and say, Lord, thank you for this wake-up call and thank you for this reality check. And God, help me to be a lamb and not a wolf you may be here tonight and you've got serious regrets of times where you've allowed yourself to devour, destroy, to rip to tear apart find a place tonight and get it right with God you may have to get it right with somebody else do that if you have to but let's get our hearts in check tonight so that this church can just climb higher and higher and see God's blessings poured into it in ways that you've never imagined Let's come be lambs tonight and let's kill the wolf that lives in all of us. Would you stand up with me all over this building? While you're standing, would you come? Come on. Leaders are coming, volunteers are coming, servants are coming, singers are coming. I wish I could preach this message like I was an expert. But it it, it breaks my heart every time I preach it. To think about my own wolf-like ways that have so often been an issue. I want to be a lamb tonight. He's going to sing.